You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, your analysis team, your film breakdown duo here with the New York Giants blog, a part of SB Nation. We are back doing film breakdowns. It's been a while previewing the upcoming opponent, that being the Cincinnati Bengals. We had a, a weird stretch of time where we had the bye week last week. We focused on the NFL draft. Make sure you go back and listen to those episodes. And then additionally, before that, because the Giants were playing repeat opponents in the NFC East, we chose to evaluate the Giants roster. So today, we are going to be previewing the Cincinnati Bengals to fill you in on everything that you need to know about this matchup on Sunday. And this matchup became very perplexing because of the major injury that they are facing with their starting quarterback and former first overall pick in this most recent draft, Joe Burrow. We were fully expecting this game, Chris, to be uh, a, a battle between two young quarterbacks at the start of the season. That was the outlook that we had on this. But right now, it's going to be Ryan Finley, another young quarterback who is in the same class as Daniel Jones, stepping in and starting for him. The Bengals are going to be hurting this week without having their number one guy. Uh, absolutely. The Injury to Joe Burrow, uh, took a low hit, tore his ACL and MCL. He's going to be, he's got a pretty long road back, and it's just too damn bad because he was having himself a great rookie campaign. He had really kind of picked up where he left off at LSU, and he was playing some really exciting football. You know, the, we'll be going over this more in detail, but the Bengals don't have a great roster right now. I, I, don't think I'm really speaking out of class to say that, but Burrow gave them a chance. You know, he has that ability to play out of structure, to make throws that some other, some other quarterbacks just can't really even attempt, whether it's scrambling or throwing with some really impressive touch, timing, precision. And, you know, now they have lost that. So they really lost the biggest thing there the biggest asset on their entire team just went down and that definitely changes the complexion of this game 
It's going to be a while until Joe Burrow is able to suit back up for the Bengals. One thing that I saw from an account that that covers injuries specifically, they believe because of all the ligament damage, he is not going to be fully available and ready until after week one of the 2021 season. That is obviously something that can't be fully determined until he starts that rehab process. Everybody heals differently. Um, But one thing we do know for sure is Right now, ACL injuries are not a death sentence as they used to be. Burrow is a tough SOB playing that quarterback position, so he's going to come back strong, hoping him a speedy recovery. We then now have to shift our focus to Ryan Finley, and that is going to be a big part of our discussion today, Chris, because bringing him into the mix really dampens what this offense can do. We're going to go into breaking down how they like to use their offense, the schematics of it, a little bit later on in this first half of the show. But it's worth acknowledging here that Finley was a a fourth-round pick for a reason. He is the backup quarterback for a reason. There is a reason why they went on to draft Joe Burrow and move on from Andy Dalton. They didn't think that Ryan Finley could be that guy. He's He's a backup for a reason. He's, he's inexperienced. He doesn't bring a whole lot to the table. And Chris, you actually have you know, a scouting report from when you watched his tape a couple of years ago when he was coming out of NC State that pretty much determines he's not going to be able to do a lot of the things that Joe Burrow was able to do, which includes being able to throw outside of structure. Yeah, he he really was kind of a rhythm passer at NC State. You know, he, he has enough but not great arm strength. Like he can make all the throws, but he can't really drive the ball downfield. Uh, he can move, but he isn't. He nobody will mistake him for an athlete at the quarterback position. Uh, he does have a quick release, so he's going to be at his best in those kind of uh, West Coast slash spread concepts. Uh, spread coast is a term you hear tossed around a little bit. And that does kind of match up with what Cincinnati likes to do on offense. But if you ask him to hold the ball, uh, throw downfield, he's not going to be that kind of field general type quarterback or be able to will this offense out of trouble. And he also, and this was surprising considering he was a sixth year senior. He had some mental processing issues coming out of college, uh, a lot of the same issues that a lot of young quarterbacks have, but he wasn't a really young quarterback. He he had a tendency to lock on to lock onto receivers. He had a tendency to more or less freeze when there was pressure coming at him. So that I think is going to be very interesting to watch, especially as we have seen Patrick Graham really have this defense playing well and punching above its weight class the last couple of weeks. Speaking of some other injuries, this team is dealing with some serious depth problems. They're they're not really able to have some of their key starters making things so much more complicated for them. One of the other players, Joe Mixon, their best running back, uh, star running back for that matter, they paid him a ton over the offseason. He is a player that they intend on building this offense around and is talented in that measure, but they placed him on the IR very recently, not this past week, but very recently, not having Joe Mixon in the mix is going to really slow down their ability to run the football as Giovanni Bernard is the only uh, strong quality running back on their roster. For me though, Chris, I do have to point to, and this is really the first offensive strength for them, 
is their receivers. They have good receivers that all fit a similar mold. And the two that I point to immediately are Tyler Boyd, who leads the team in receiving yards uh, with 710, and then T. Higgins, the rookie out of Clemson, who leads the team in receiving touchdowns with four. Yeah, these guys are big long receivers who they're really good at the catch point they can win contested catch situations and they do have some run after catch ability yeah they don't really have any superstar receivers uh aj green is not aj green anymore he's kind of the ghost of aj green where yeah, he's still a big name but that kind of really silky athleticism he always had that kind of defined his career from when he was drafted up until fairly recently he really doesn't have that anymore he's he's starting to look a little tired out there and that i think does hold them back in the receiving core that the fact that aj green isn't that superstar anymore they don't really have any speed out there but higgins and boyd they are an intriguing pair because they can both win on the outside. They can win down the field. And even if they aren't able to get separation, they can still create separation on their own with their frames, with their catch radiuses and some really good hands. Yeah, that's the big thing here. And and when I talk about their offensive strength being their receivers, because they have a lot of guys that have similar styles Uh, of play at the receiver position. I think it works kind of well with how they try to distribute the football. They're bigger guys. Tyler Boyd, 6'2". T. Higgins is around that size range as well. Auden Tate is also uh, a bigger receiver. They've got strong hands, as you said. And what works well with this offense, they're consistent route runners. They're quick cutters with a lot of the short routes that they like to run in their offense with the ability to pick up extra yards after the catch. They have that yak potential. So with these bigger guys, instead of relying on maybe some smaller, more compact, speedy receivers, similar to what the Giants have, they're relying on these bigger guys to make some contested catches and then maybe break away from coverage on linebackers across the middle or maybe some smaller corners on the outside. Now transitioning, though, to the the major weakness here, and when discussing how this this offense works, it really is not built effectively to operate without Joe Burrow. Their offensive line and pass protection is a glaring issue. The reason why Joe Burrow got hurt, and a lot of people were frankly scared to death of watching him play, was because the offensive line and pass protection was so bad. They were not doing an effective job of protecting him. A lot of times you would see Joe Burrow having to extend plays and move outside of the pocket because he was being chased down by defenders. And in some instances, these teams would send a lot of pressure, but in other instances, they would really only rush four or five guys and still able to hit home with that pressure. So the way that this offense, though, generally works, Chris, and the way that I I noticed that they approach it is they try to keep things really short and one cut when it comes to the type of routes, limited reads, just because that you can tell they don't want whoever's playing quarterback to have to sit back there and analyze the field around them for too long because the offensive line just frankly can't block for that long. So because of that, it's a lot of really short, quick stuff, meaning the intention this week needs to be pressing up and not allowing any yards to be picked up from these short ra- uh, route concepts. Yeah, that, I saw a lot of one to three step drops, a lot of bubble screens, uh, half field reads, a lot of uh, 
coverage beater concepts, uh, concepts designed to create conflict in the secondary and get one guy open. And like you say, it's really designed to be a quick, a quick offense, get the ball snapped and get the ball out before pressure has a chance to get there. Because like you said, their offensive line has been not good. Uh, they did make some changes. The Bengals that has made some changes recently uh, for a while. Our the giant giants fans, old friend, Bobby Hart was their starting right tackle. Uh, last game, Against Washington, rookie Akeem Adenji took over. He has some upside. He played not badly at left tackle for them earlier in the season, but they do have a fairly young offensive line. Uh, I believe right now, uh, Michael Jordan is starting for them at left guard. He's a second-year player. Uh, Jonah Williams is starting as well. He is a second-year player. Got Akeem Adenji, a rookie, and then Quentin Spain and... Quentin Spain and Trey Hopkins, they're uh, fifth and sixth year players. So they don't have a ton of real veteran presence on this offensive line. They can do some things. They can open some holes in the running game, but they're not great. And really for most of the season, their offensive line has been in about the same shape as the Giants offensive line, where they have given up quick pressure. They've let defenders into the backfield to blow up running plays and Really, they've had to scheme their offense around that. Yeah, and, and I would argue that this this Bengals offensive line, even though the Giants have been struggling and it's a little bit similar, I would argue that this Bengals offensive line is much worse off, uh, especially with some of the consistency that we've seen from the O-line lately. But again, the big thing here is how intent they are on getting the ball out quickly and relying on that to get their offense moving they don't really take a whole lot of shots because they know that they don't have the time for those plays to develop and one might assume that Patrick Graham is going to come into this game thinking we're going to blitz the hell out of them we're going to send a ton of pressure at this offensive line but I really fully expect the the plan here to be to come out and and use a lot of the complex coverages that they've used against other quarterbacks. I see Patrick Graham probably relying on four to five rushers on most plays and then forcing Ryan Finley to make mistakes because he is not experienced. He tends to lock on, like you said earlier, Chris. They want coverage to force him to make mistakes and then eventually get those coverage sacks after about five seconds or so. That's something that's worked against better quarterbacks than Ryan Finley, so I, I really don't see um, much of a reason for them to stray away from that. Yeah, absolutely, especially since the quick passing game is Ryan Finley's strength. That's what he has always been best at. So if you can take that away from him, the rest of the defensive game plan really should kind of snap into place. We are going to transition to talking about the defense coming up very shortly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Very similar to their to their offense, Chris. Th- this defense of side of the ball is just not very good. Um, it's got a lot of holes. It's very inconsistent. And 
very similar. Like I said, they're not very strong up front. But if we were to name some players that are of notable value, the first one that comes to mind is Jesse Bates, who has one of the highest tackle totals on the team and leads the team with three interceptions. Additionally, Carl Lawson is the second player that needs to be noticed and brought up as he leads the team in sacks with four and a half. Both of these guys are are talented players. They're going to be making plays. If anybody is going to stand out and make plays, it's going to be either one of them. Yeah, you know, there are some other guys that probably we should mention, but those two are their best. And I think it's worth noting that so far, Carl Lawson is on the field more than he really has been ever before in his career. He's, if he hasn't surpassed his season high snap total yet, he will be there very soon. He's only one off on his season high for quarterback hits. He's having or he's on pace for really a career year rushing the passer but that being said he isn't a dominant force as a pass rusher he's got some good agility he can be explosive in a straight line but he isn't going to dominate in the way that a lot of the other pass rushers the Giants have seen this year will dominate he does have some good technique he can win off of a long arm he can change direction fairly quickly for a player his size but he isn't going to be the type of player who's going to fire off the ball and really scare a blocker into oversetting or uh, having his technique break down yeah I don't see Carl Lawson as a a player that can dominate on his own. He's not that type of a pass rusher and without some good complemental piece uh, complementing pieces around him, he, he's not going to be able to win without some additional help. Sam Hubbard's decent, but his production level this season has has been very underwhelming based on the expectations that I think a lot of people had uh, for him going into the future. To discuss these strengths, as I've already mentioned Jesse Bates, I will say that I think their overall safety duo that they have is the strongest point on this Bengals defense. Von Bell and Jesse Bates, mostly with Jesse Bates though. Bates is a rangy safety. He is a ball hawk. He is an aggressive player. He is the reason why they can turn the ball over. And if you can expect Daniel Jones to maybe be a little risky or make a questionable decision with the football, A guy like Jesse Bates is going to take advantage of that. He's aggressive. He's not afraid to put himself in a tight spot if that means uh, taking the ball away and getting it back to his team. Yeah, and I I did notice in the tape I watched, the Bengals do like to mix up their coverages. They aren't a team that just sits in one or two coverage shells and plays that all game long. I did notice them playing some cover one and pressing up the line of skill scrimmage and then using that to maybe disguise some cover three looks and then using cover two uh cover two with man cover two with zone underneath and that is something that they don't have great corners but that is something opposing quarterbacks are going to have to work through and make sure they know what they are facing yeah you have to be completely wary of where jesse bates is the possible plays that he can make because he, he is the most talented player on their defense. If you just assume that you're going to be able to go out there and dominate against a struggling team, you're going to be very sorely mistaken having someone like Bates with the ability to make some serious plays to get his team back into a football game. Now to transition, though, to the weaknesses. And, and Chris, 
I have to say, as I led into this the second half of the show, their front seven is is just bad. They're not letting the two young linebackers, uh, Akeem Davis Gaither and also Logan Wilson. They're not getting a ton of a ton of snaps. They're starting some other guys over them. More importantly, their defensive line does not do anything for me. Uh, I watch them on tape and I see a group that can't create pressure on their own. I see a group that needs manufactured pressure just to create disruption and that obviously means sending blitzes, maybe trying to create some confusion. They they need that in order to get to the quarterback. There's no X factor player in this in this mix in the whole front seven. And then uh, additionally, I don't see them creating very much disruption against the run. They don't slow things down, they don't close down rushing lanes. They're just there. I don't I don't see a lot of big plays from this group and I think that that this is something that the Giants are going to come into and say we are going to run the hell out of the football and that is going to open up the remainder of our offense similar to what they did against the the Redskins or sorry the Washington football team and the Eagles. This is a defensive front really without any stars. Uh, Geno Atkins is still there. He missed the game two weeks ago for the birth of his second child. Last week, I think he play, He didn't even play 20 snaps. He's been kind of coming back from and working through a shoulder injury. And you know, we know shoulder injuries are tough on linemen, uh, defensive linemen in particular. Atkins is kind of like AJ Green. They're they're kind of the ghosts of their former selves. Uh, Marcus Hunt is back. He is still kind of an explosive but very linear player. He can create some disruption, but yeah, he is not the same player he was a couple years ago with the Colts, uh, both because different defensive schemes, uh, different defensive rosters. You know, the Colts have a lot more talent on their defense. You know, they don't really have any real impact players in their front seven. You know, maybe Davis Gaither or Logan Wilson could be that eventually. Uh, they were both really interesting guys in the draft. Uh, Davis Gaither, particularly because of his uh, his size and athleticism, you know, he isn't a real big linebacker, but he was a very athletic one, or is a very athletic one. But they only gave him one snap last week. They don't really have anybody else you have to be aware of without anybody who can really win and dominate the line of scrimmage the Giants should be able to just settle into their running game let Wayne Gallman carry them throughout the game and then pass off of that when they have to right and, and what we've seen lately over the past few weeks is a commitment to not only running the ball more effectively but to run up the middle more we see a lot of Similar rushing plays. It's not a lot of diversity in the play calling. It's just a lot of um, you know halfback dive plays, maybe some some halfback power, just really simple stuff right up the middle to pick up those those easy yards that are handed to them. And I don't see a defensive line on paper and also on the film that is good enough to stop those plays. They're going to come out and try to run the ball up the middle again with Wayne Gallman. I would fully expect them to try and get him twenty carries if they can just to create that level of production. And it's it's worked. And what we'll then be able to, to see is once the run game gets rolling, like it's happening against the Eagles, like it happened against Washington, they are then going to be able to open up some other things. And and I think that the, the focus here for the remainder of the season and this first step of the remainder of the season 
in this game is to not make Daniel Jones throw the ball over 25 or 30 times a game. I know that you want that from your starting quarterback, but the less times that Daniel Jones has to throw the ball and in this situation against a team that has a really good safety, the better. Keep running the football. I think that they're going to have a very efficient day running the ball if, if unless Cincinnati comes out with a fire under their ass and a motivation that we haven't seen before. I think that they're going to be able to, to have a strong day on the ground. Yeah, this is, I think, one of the games remaining in the Giants' schedule that we should look at and more or less expect the Giants to win. Uh, we haven't said, that re- haven't said that much this year, and... I think the last time we sat here and really said, this is a game the Giants should win, it turned out to be the 49ers game, and they came out and played their best game of the season. So unless Cincinnati does that, and like you said, comes out and plays with a fire and execution that we just haven't seen from them, you know, maybe to prove that Joe Burrow wasn't the only good thing about their team, or you know, to win one for Joe, or whatever... This is a game we should expect the Giants to win, unless maybe the Giants come out super flat off of their own bye week. Well, folks, that is going to be it from us on today's film breakdown show of uh, the Chris and Joe show. We're going to see how things turn out against the Cincinnati Bengals, as this is an important game with the NFC East pretty much locked up with every single team having three wins. If the Giants want to make this final push, and possibly win the NFC East, they're in a position to, and that first step starts with their first game after the bye against the Bengals. Make sure you go and follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, uh, at Raptor MKII, and also at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. We have a ton of amazing content on both of those um, social media sites. Additionally, go to our website, bigblueview.com, for more Giants news and analysis. Now, folks, you're listening to this on a Wednesday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, although it might not be the same Thanksgiving as you typically have. Hope you enjoy the holiday uh, and the rest of your week. You'll hear again from us likely on Saturday with a scouting report of J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks.